Hi, everyone. It's Gracie. What's up, Kara? It's Gracie. And I'm here with a very good friend of mine and a um, woman who inspires me a lot. Her name is Ann Friedman, and she, um, she's a, a, a journalist. She writes a column for The Cut, um, which is always really insightful and, and uh, wonderful to read, and has a great weekly newsletter that you should definitely sign up for. And she's also a fellow podcaster um, of Call Your Girlfriend. And we were, we were roommates in college. I think it's the most exciting <laughs> way to describe you, Ann. Full disclosure, we have paid rent to the same landlord. <laughs> yes, multiple times. Uh, we lived yeah. in the same dorm. We, we ate um, the food in the dorms together. And um, so I like to talk to Anne about a lot of things because she's brilliant, but I wanted to talk to her today about um, how she takes care of herself as a freelancer um, because it's, it's a question that I've gotten from a lot of you. Of, of, it's easy to talk about a schedule of your daily life when you have to get up and go to work at a certain time and come home at a certain time. Maybe it's like not, not the most interesting schedule, but at least you have a schedule that you have to work with. But those of you who are starting your own businesses or working from home, I know it, it can be a struggle to figure out like, okay, when do I eat lunch and when do I take a shower and how long am I technically allowed to wear my pajamas in the day? So I thought I would call in and to help me. This is something I've, I haven't worked in an office job for a long time. I've, I've pieced together a lot of different things over the years until starting this business, which is a little bit more of one thing. So I, um, thanks for being here, Priscilla Ann, and taking the time. Oh, my God. Thanks for having me. I feel we should also disclose that I essentially invited myself on the podcast because I had a dream where, like, my subconscious told me that we'd made a plan to record and then, like, you living in the actual world had no record of this. And so I was like, what day are we doing it? <laughs> so my brain wants to be here. Like, my deepest self wants to be here. <laughs> okay. Well, my deepest self, I feel like, just, like, muscled your deepest self into doing this. So our deepest <laughs> selves are going are gonna to have a conversation about self-care. I feel like some, some good insights need to come out of this. Awesome. Um, so curious, like, um, just in general, like, how, how do you um, – handle your, your daily schedule as a freelancer these days? Like, is it something that's been pretty fixed for a while, or is it fluid and how it changes? Um, well, I feel I should start with a disclosure, which is that um, some days and some weeks are better than others because I'm a human. Today is a day where I am still wearing pajama pants, haven't brushed my teeth or, like, washed my face, haven't showered. <laughs> um, I did put my contacts in, but that's only because my glasses prescription is out of date and I would go blind staring at the computer. Like, I have done no self-care today, and I, I think the first thing I said to you when you picked up the phone was, I feel a little crazy. So there's a range. Um, <laughs> days that look a little bit better <laughs> usually, um, usually start with me having some offline time. I'll do like a quick check-in with my email because most of the people I work for, my editors are on the East Coast and I'm on the West Coast. And with that three-hour lag, I usually just make sure that nothing is burning down or pressing like, on the other coast. And then make some coffee, maybe read the news, do a little writing, depending on the weather and my mood and what's going on. Maybe go for a little walk or a little run or do a little yoga. Um, and then, you know, get to my office and, and like, start working by, like, 9. Um, that's sort of a good day. And I have those days. <laughs> um, and, I, and usually then I, um, I try to do anything I have that's writing-based in the morning before lunch, which is typically when my brain is sharpest. And then by afternoon, I'm a little more scattered. That's when I try to do all of the businessy things that my job requires, like invoicing and corresponding with editors and answering other email and updating my website and all that stuff that can feel a little distracting when I'm trying to write. Um, I try to shunt to the afternoons, although sometimes um, procrastination intervenes. <laughs> and anyway, so that's sort of like those are those are that's like the general structure of my day. And I would say that I, I aim to start with something that feels like self-care as opposed to work, um, like to have some time for myself in the morning. That can vary about what, you know, what that looks like. And then usually most days um, I am not walking around in my pajamas. I am showered and like putting on a bra is weirdly important to me. <laughs> on our podcast we talk about um, 
we talk about free boobing a lot, but like it weirdly, it's like a thing that I'm like, okay, I'm dressed for work if I'm wearing like jeans and a bra, even if I'm wearing a t-shirt or whatever. I don't know why this is the standard that I've applied. But most days I'm like showered and dressed, and that does feel like self-care in freelance context. Um, almost every day I like take a real pause and eat lunch. I would say I'm 50-50 on being good about not eating in front of my computer. <laughs> and then I w- I, another kind of thing that I do for myself, working for myself, is that most evenings I would say I try to do something social or see someone because I work from home alone. Um, and I'm on the phone a lot, but it's, it's, there is something that can be kind of isolating about it. And so my social life and how I, what I consider to be like extravagant or like what I consider to be a school night, that has changed a little bit because I, I need the, the kind of energy that I get from friend people inter, to intersperse like with my workday stuff. So I, I, I usually try to, if I'm not going out or leaving the house, I sit on my porch with a book or I, you know, I do something like, you know, by five or six o'clock at night. Unless I'm really busy, I'm usually done working by, by five or six. Um, which is a benefit of the West Coast because by then everyone is pretty much closed up shop on the East Coast and I'm not, you know, waving around. So I don't know. I think um, I'm not I – I have like a pretty nice office that helps, I think. Like, like getting that set up was a real um, bit of working for myself, self-care. For my first few years as a freelancer, I would just like hunch over my laptop at my dining room table um, part of it is because I've like made a little bit more money and could move, you know, to a bigger place um, that has <laughs> that has an office that has a designated workspace. So, you know, sometimes your ability to really care for yourself as a freelancer increases um, as you get better at the freelance game. But um, I would say that there's sort of like a there is a day-to-day fluctuation, but an overall upward trajectory in in, in my self-care if that makes sense. Yeah, I love it. And I, I think you've had a lot of really interesting points. Um, first of all, I have to say that my heart got really happy when you said that you maybe do a little yoga <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> like like um, maybe I, once a week, you know what I mean? Like it's just like my body wants it. My body wants it, I do it. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, Anne came, uh, we led a retreat together in Guatemala last year, and um, it, was, it was like your first time really doing yoga, and you were a little bit hesitant about whether or not this practice was for you. And by that, you, like, you did amazing from my perspective as the teacher. And, uh, just for all the people out there who would, like, wonder if yoga is for them. Like, if, if Anne is doing a little bit of yoga once a week, I just feel like this is, like, a big victory for, for yoga. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. Well, yoga, I actually, I think that I, I am not someone for whom a daily, at least at this point in my life, like, I'm not someone for whom a daily yoga practice is, like, a thing that I really crave. But like, it is very true. I can just, I like there is, I don't know exactly how to explain it. Like sometimes it is, I'm a little like stiff where I've been, you know, like, you know, been in my work zone. Sometimes I do it when I'm like really frustrated. I'll do it sometimes when I get an email from an editor that is absurd and I'll just be like, I can't answer this right now. Stream of expletives. I mean, I would never send an editor a stream of expletives. But, you know, I, I sort of am infuriated in the privacy of my home office about something, and I do some, like, let it go yoga at that point. Um, but, yeah, it's like... I <laughs> down dog, I down dog. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I have the impression, though, that, like, you know, you do yoga, you, like, you do it, or you don't do it. And I think I've kind of come to, like, see it as one of many tools, including going for a walk or, like, you know, coloring in my coloring book <laughs> or going for a run or, you know, like there's like a lot of different things that I now employ when I can just feel myself like getting into a weird social media death spiral where I'm just checking all these sites that I don't actually care about um, <laughs> or if I'm, if I'm like feeling frustrated about a specific thing. Yeah, well, I, I love that as like yoga as a tool rather than like yoga as an identity because I, I feel like for myself after teaching yoga for a long time, like I'm really le- ready to let go of yoga as an identity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I know a little limiting, but it is. It's like a tool. It's just like something you know that you can do that, that's going to help bring you to a place of just like, a, like toning it down a little bit like emotionally or like opening up a little bit like flexibility-wise. So, yeah, and, cool. I, and I feel I'm privileged enough to have like you and a couple of other people who are really, like, knowledgeable about yoga in my life. And I, I feel like 
a lot of what I've learned is like the value of yoga is in the way you breathe and the way you actually like shift the way you hold your body. And like that makes a ton of intuitive sense to me as to like why that would make me feel better as opposed to like yoga is the way you sculpt your abs or whatever society tells us it's also for, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, traditionally what yoga really means is like yoga is how you calm your mind down. Like, right. like in, in Sanskrit, it's like how you can, how you regulate the, the matter of your mind is what it says. Like you filter it. <laughs> so it's like the expletives are coming out. You like do something to filter it back in. And that way, right. it's like a walk is definitely yoga, or like anything that just brings you back to the center is yoga. Um, right. And and the other right. thing that I really loved in what you said before was that, do you know that you keep an Ayurvedic schedule, essentially? No, tell me. <laughs> Can I break this down for you? Break it down <laughs> for me. I would love to know. Okay, so we know that the doshas, that like there's three doshas, there's these like main uh, energies that influence everything. One is like an air energy, one's a fire energy, one's like an earth energy. And so they, they come up in us as our constitution and they affect how our body is and the kinds of foods we can process and how our, our emotional state is and how we, how we go out of balance too. But then the, the daily cycle is broken up into the, these doshic periods, so they're four-hour periods. Um, the the first one being um, the earth period, which goes from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., which is, like, it's really, really stable. So it's, like, it's a really good time. You're, like, your mind is really stable at this point, so it's a really good time to get work done and just to focus mm-hmm. on things. Like, it has, like, an amazing amount of focus in it. And, and it can, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., it's pizza, fire time, which is, like, lunch. And if you're, like, if you're in a leadership position, it's, like, about, it's about making decisions and, and like, having meetings and, and, like, using that leadership within yourself. But then around 2 p.m., it goes to the air element where um, it, it, everything just kind of scatters, like, your energy just scatters and disperses, and it's, like, it's really not a time to get any kind of work done, but it's a time for communication. So it's mm-hmm. a great time to write emails or take a break, do something creative, uh, go for a walk or something like that. And, um, and then it, it's 6 o'clock from 6 to 10 p.m. It's, it's the earth element time again. And it's about, if you're not supposed to work during this time, it's really just about chilling and being with people and relaxing, like, in the company of others. So um, essentially, yeah. you're, like, you're keeping it without even knowing it, which is really cool. Well, and I have to say, too, that, like, it, um, I, I, I sort of intuited when I was – so it was before I became a freelance writer, I was an editor – and I worked pretty nine to five hours, usually in offices. And, um, and I, I think in part because editing is a different type of work than writing. Like it's, it's definitely creative and it can definitely be very difficult, but it's not, it doesn't have the kind of like start from scratch thing that a lot of writing has that makes it, um, t- can make it tough for me to get going. I didn't realize when I had staff jobs like just how much of a morning worker I was. Like it, it took the shift to becoming a writer and, and setting my own hours, that made me realize, whoa, the thing that takes me one hour at 8 a.m. takes me five hours at 3 p.m. <laughs> you know, if I have to write something on deadline, like, for the next morning, and I haven't finished it, and I, I know I can't leave the computer until it's done, and I find myself there at 3 p.m., that is just, like, I have really, I, that happens, speaking of, like, self-care pitfalls. <laughs> I find myself in that position, like, probably once a month, maybe a little less frequently. And it is just such a reminder of how much better um, I am in that concentrated morning space. So it's interesting. Like, I, I, I do feel like if you had asked me how I worked best before I became a freelancer, I would have had a lot less information. Um, and also I was doing a different type of work. So maybe it wouldn't have been wrong, but it would have been wrong for you know, my life as a writer. So there's been, it has been a learning process for sure. Yeah, it, um, and I, I mean, I think that's the great thing about being a freelancer. I mean, there's so many hard things about having to be responsible for so many elements of life on your own, um, but you really can, like, figure out how you work and, like, what it is you really want to do, hopefully, and, and be able to, like, set up your life in a way that can execute that. So even if, if there are elements of it that are, like, for any freelancers who are listening who feel a little scattered or off, like, just remember that, like, you have to give up a lot to be a freelancer, but you get so much in being able to, like, create something that does feel a little bit more like you. Um, yeah. Um, I also, I was really happy that you brought up the idea of, of needing 
like people time because I think it's something oh I hear a lot of too for people who are working at home. It's like it's lonely to like work at home all day, even if like we have this like like I feel the same way. Like I'm in communication all day long. Like I'm on the phone. I'm I'm answering emails. Like I'm on Facebook. But it's it's like there's just like no substitute for that like face to face time with people. Yeah, and I think that like. Um, it, it was a lot more important to me, again, when I first started out. Um, I would have days, I, I went to my local coffee shop a, a lot more when I first became a freelancer. Um, I, I was sort of a regular and I knew everyone there. And when I needed that feeling of, of being in an environment where, much like an office, where everyone is sort of working, but you're not really working together. You're just, you know, that, that co-working feeling where you're going to see a few people you know and maybe make some small talk, but by and large, you're there to do your own thing. I, I, I relied on that a lot, um, first of all, before I had a home office, but like second of all, just while I made my transition from working in an office. And I, I think that it's funny. People are kind of eye-rolly about, you know, oh, your laptop in a cafe. It's like the worst possible place to work. And for me, I found it a really good way to transition. Um, and, 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 you know, it sort, of, it sort of is dependent on whether – how many calls I had that day, you know, I can't do, I can't record a podcast with my friends from a, from a coffee shop. You know, there are some things that limit that as an option, but I'm, I'm really happy that, like, I, I had that as a choice. Um, and I still use it, you know, sometimes when I have one of those tough deadlines, you know, maybe when it's not an option I have to write in the afternoon and it's just the words just aren't coming at home, I will pack up and walk to the coffee shop and sometimes the change of scenery will really help me. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I was wondering, like, how you dealt with those moments. It's a good idea just to, like, get out and breathe a little bit. Um, right. I, I can't do a coffee shop at all. Like, I am, right. like, first of all, I pack way too much stuff in my backpack. Like, I, like the process of me getting ready to go work at a coffee shop takes me forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not really in walking distance to many coffee shops. The only one I'm in walking distance who doesn't allow you to work on your laptop there, which I totally right. respect. But, like, during the day, it's, it's just, like, it's really, it's hard to make that work. Right. And then once I get there, I, I'm so easily distracted by every person. But I've always wondered how people can just, like, focus and do it. My, it's, I think maybe going in the afternoon, my vodka is all over the place, too, so I'm, I'm like, right. not able well, to I, also, I, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that um, a lot of the writing that I did early in my career, I mean, we, we met in journalism school, and I would write in newsrooms, which are loud, and, you know, it's sort of, I, I wonder how much of that is, is trained behavior where sometimes um, I listen to <laughs> there's a website called rainycafe.com which I, is some like South Asian website they they have uh, they have like you can listen to um, like rain white noise or you can listen to like ambient cafe noises like clinking dishes and muted conversation and sometimes <laughs> if I'm at home I will put on like ambient cafe noise and work better because of it. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Like, there's something about, like, even if I don't listen to anything on my headphones, like, having my headphones in and being in a place that's kind of chaotic makes me, like, say, okay, I have to get into my own world here. Um, whereas, I don't know, I can't, I can't explain it. But I, I, and I totally get that it would be a distraction for some people. But um, it's, it's sort of, I think of it as, like, a, a, an important option that I have. Yeah, I know. It's good. It's like, it, again, it's just sort of like yogurt or something. It's just a tool that you can use like, right. when you need to use it, like it's there for you. Right. And I think, it's, you know, like that general approach, I mean, I think for a long time, um, like, you know, I, I, I think that there, for, for certain people, having a tighter schedule when you work for yourself is really very helpful. You know, like, um, I have a friend who's like, I schedule all of my phone calls in this range every day. And if they, they, people can't do it that day, I schedule it a different day. And, you know, that's my phone call time. And, you know, there are people who have like, you know, like, like a very um, consistent morning routine with like the same kind of hourly breakdown every morning. And I am, I, I feel like I have a pretty consistent week. Um, there are things that, there's sort of a rhythm to my week. Um, and I have, you know, like, just like you described, those kind of time ranges in my day when I know I'm best at certain things. But overall, it's never really served me. Times that I've tried to pull myself into a really concrete schedule, unless I'm really under the gun with a lot of different assignments and I have to plot my day specifically, otherwise it's not, ha not getting done, um, I, that just hasn't worked for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm curious about, I mean, 
the weekly schedule is like it's really important for me too. Like I, I have like my daily schedule stuff that I do for my own self care. Um, but my mm-hmm. my weekly schedule is something that like just for me it's like doing my finances. It's like the thing I hate to do most in my week. I do it on Monday <laughs> afternoons. I like getting like hot just thinking about it, like uh but it's it's such an important part of like my like if I like can just go through I go through all like my credit cards, I have like the budgeting software stuff where I like enter everything in and like do my mileage and all the stuff that like you're like need to send to like the auditor at the end of the year or accountant. And if I do that, I find that just like my like feeling of being an adult and being like <laughs> having dominion over my world is so much stronger. And if I skip it, it really like I, I do feel like it's it, it's like less effective. So it's it's funny to like start to look for those like little things that we can like like need to do even if we don't want to do them and just like actually schedule them in it makes it so much easier to do it rather than just like feeling guilty about not doing it week after week whatever it is yeah like invoicing or whatever totally totally and I um I definitely I mean god I should do that I don't really I log my receipts and all of that stuff you know sporadically when I feel panicked that I'm falling behind not I should really adopt your philosophy of doing it um once a week because I would, yeah, but I mean, when you were describing that, I was like, that sounds so good. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but the feeling afterwards, the feeling before I do it is horrible, and the feeling afterwards is, is amazing. It's, it's really hygiene. Um, but what I do is I actually have one little button I press on my, my um, bar at the top of my browser, and it pulls up all of my bank websites, like my mileage account, everything. So I just have to hit one button and it all comes up. And then I just like minimize everything else and just like make myself focus on it. Oh. And I, in habit change, you're supposed to give yourself a reward. And I'm like always running out the door to teach yoga afterwards. So like maybe I need to like build a little bit of like reward time in there. But yeah. I think it's worthy of like an episode of something like afterwards. Well, to watch yeah. I also I I have really been um, something that I have been trying to do uh, for a while is is to do, be better about tracking my time because. You know, I don't teach yoga classes. There's not really, you know, sometimes I'll be able to see on my schedule, okay, I spent one hour on the phone with this person. Um, you know, emails might, you know, indicate how long I spent replying or something. But it's really kind of difficult for me to get a sense of um, how much time I spend on a given project or how much, how much of my day really goes to, you know, to which aspects of my business. And so I've been trying to do a thing where, like at the end of the week, I'll say, okay, Mondays, I re- as I recall, it broke down kind of like this. Tuesday broke down kind of like this. Um, and I could probably, it's not like I'm getting like a lawyer hour tracking software type situation going, but I, 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 haven't, I haven't quite found the right way to not, to, to sort of, to, to be cognizant of the sort of scattershot way I spend my time. I mean, like it could look like I'm just browsing the internet, but really I'm, researching for something I'm going to write and it's core to my job sort of thing. You know, I have to, it's, it's figuring out how to track that and say how am I really spending my time without being over the top 15-minute increments is, is, is a challenge I'm working on. Yeah, well, it's interesting because that's usually like what a, a manager or a boss would do, would be like looking over your shoulder to be like, is that work we're working on? Um, but you're the one <laughs> to do that for yourself to be your own boss. Yeah, um, and as you might be able to imagine, there is an app for that. I would say just my yoga studio just started using it to track it. It's called Harvest, and you mm-hmm. can actually set a timer. It's just it's on your phone. You just set a timer for when you're doing something. So if you are interested in, in taking it to the next level and you're tracking, it, it, it's right. Great. Well, there's also this um, God. What is it called? It's called like um, Tomato Time or something like that, where it's it's like you set a timer for 15 minutes or you estimate how long you think a task will take. So I'm like, I think it'll take me two hours. I set two hours, and when the alarm goes off, then, you know, I reset it, as opposed to sort of planning out your day in the morning, just being like, okay, I'm going to do this now. It should take me this long. And then you can sort of say, okay, how many times did the timer go off? Like, I don't know. There's, I'm sure there are a million apps for it. It's a thing that, like, coder bros use. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I have yet to try. I have yet to try that one, but... When I heard about it, I was like, ooh, does that mean I could order like a cute vintage egg timer for my office? I was like already thinking about my, the accessories that would allow me to purchase. <laughs> yeah, let's take an old school egg timer. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the inspiration from it. Yeah, like 15 minutes. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway. 
Uh, okay, I wanted to ask about, I know that, like, at this point in your career, you're, you're probably having a pretty good flow of work, but, like, I, is, is, at any point in being a freelancer, was there, like, ever not enough work? Because I, I think that's a whole different kind of anxiety when you are, you know, prepared to do it and you want to do it and you're dependent on having to do it, but the work's not quite there. Yeah, I think, so I had... My entry into freelancing was being fired, <laughs> and I think a lot of people come into freelancing because a stable opportunity disappears from, from underneath them. Like, I think it's not, it, it's not so common that people are like, I'm living my dream, I'm starting my business. You know, frequently it's like, oh, God, I just hot-headedly quit that job. What the hell am I going to do? Or, or I, oh, God, I was just fired. Um, and so for me, I kind of had it in my head that I was going to have a kind of a downtime where maybe I did a little freelancing and then I would apply for an editing staff job and I would go be an editor again. Like I, I didn't, it really took me almost a year, maybe more than a year, to say I am a freelance writer and to declare that I had a job. It was just working for myself. Um, and so, so in the beginning, I, I mean, not that money was not concerned because it definitely was if you look at my 2012 tax return, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the paper trail does not lie that 2012 was a tough financial year, which is my first year as a freelancer. I was fired June 1st, so like exactly in the center of the year. Um, but because I didn't really see it as like, okay, this is my life now, I didn't get super panicky about, about work coming in because I was sort of like, okay, I was actually like half job hunting. Um, and it, was only, it only became... You know, well, first of all, I, I also, you know, got very lucky in that my, in my early, like maybe the second month after I was fired, um, The Cut, which is where I, I still write every week, they did a relaunch and they were looking for a weekly columnist. And so that, like, very quickly, they reached out to me and that very quickly became like, okay, even if I don't do anything else this week, if I only do that and just one other weekly thing, then I can make rent. Like I can't buy the good yogurt, but I can make rent. <laughs> um, and and so, so the combination of not being fully like, okay, how am I going to do this forever? Like I still sort of like it's temporary. And that like one recurring like basis of my finances, even though it wasn't like quite enough on its own, it was like still I knew that that little piece was coming in. I think those two things helped, helped me like stave off the where will more work come from panic. But I would say that after I, I, I you know, made my peace with the fact that this is what I'm really doing full time, um, that's when I started to get a little bit more, especially when I said no to something, I started to get more worried that I would not see any more work. Um, but like, uh, it's like almost like cosmically if I turned someone down then the universe would get the message that I was closed for business and stop offering me opportunities, which is stupid. Um, but I, I was definitely, I, I definitely said, I mean, and I still say yes to things that I am not excited about for various reasons, um, some of which I think are justified and some of which I think are probably still fear-based. But, um, but yeah, the, like, I, I do think that you know, it's a tough thing to say, okay, if someone found me and I got some work, more work is there. It's like it's coming. Um, I think that also I, when I get into a panic mode, this is mostly about having an idea for my column, which is expected of me, but I can imagine this extends to trying to find clients or trying to find more work that um, I, I do my best creative thinking about it if I read a lot of things or consume a lot and then I like shut it down, go spend some time on my own, don't, like, don't spend the entire day on the Internet reading things or like, trying to find, I don't know what, clients, leads, ideas. Um, and, and then you know, coming back a little bit refreshed will always, make me, will always make me saner as opposed to the temptation to just be like, okay, if I'm on the Internet, I'm looking for opportunities, which is sort of, I mean, I guess it's sort of true. I guess you can be constantly monitor, monitoring Twitter and catch something that you wouldn't have caught if you weren't online at 11 p.m. But I think that, um, you know, sometimes stepping back and being like, okay, actually, when I, like, let myself get a little breathing room, I realized that the thing I really wanted to be doing was starting a newsletter or reaching out to that editor I haven't talked to in a while or writing about this issue. <laughs> um, you you kind of have to have some time for, 
all of that stuff to marinate and, and resist the urge to just like, I don't know, it feels like panic clicking to me sometimes. And I, do it, I did it this week. It's Thursday, and I, and I didn't come up with a column idea that my editor and I agreed on until this morning. <laughs> and so I spent, like, you know, how much in my week, like, like scrolling panicked for, like, inspiration when I really should have, like, spent an hour on the Internet, spent another hour reading other things, taken a walk. You know, I don't know. Um, so I, I, I don't know, like, I mean, I think that every person in every industry is different in terms of how you find work. But dealing with the anxiety about it, um, I, I do think that, especially if you've been doing it for a little while, there has to be an element of trust that you've built contacts, you've established expertise. Um, and if I am in a panic mode, I try to do things like, you know, um, revamp my website or like do something that feels concrete as opposed to just like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what, what like bad habits like that you default to, but I feel like for me it's just like too much, too much like empty clicking, scrolling on the internet where I'm like, I don't care about any of this. <laughs> that's like, that's my, that's my unhealthy default when I'm feeling panicked. You're like a marketer's dream then, like selling something online is just like catching you in that, that state of mind, um, like the frenzy of it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. You know, when I was, when I was first starting to do photography, like when I didn't have all the work that I wanted, because it was like, it's such a sense of self thing too. It's like we're sitting here, we're maybe by ourselves, um, and all, like we feel like we're, we have to make this work, and if it's not working in one afternoon, sometimes it's really hard to get that perspective because like, we're going to have afternoons like this. This is part of it. Right. And it was always like when I would be like, okay, I'm just going to go to the yoga class. Like I'm just going like, to go like, make myself happy in some ways, and that's when I would check my email and I would have the email from the client. Or, like, it, it always felt like the idea or the, the thing that I was looking for came through when I like, loosened the reins a little bit. And it's, yeah. it's just like when we get into that state of mind, the idea, it's like kind of like are reaching for it. We're kind of pushing it with our fingertips every time we reach for it. It's like you just really have to like let it come to you sometimes in there. And, and yeah. like the perspective, it's, it's a long road if you want to build your own career. It's not, it's not like no one really can tell you how to do this. Like you really have to figure it out yourself. Yeah, and I think that, you know, there's something to be said, and this is particular to writing, but I think that you can probably find analogies with other work where, you know, I, I feel like I talk to young writers especially who are trying to get a toehold and they're like, I can't get any assignments. No one will assign me to like write something. And I'm sort of like, that's true for a big reported thing. You need someone to invest in you and, and back you before you can do it. But there's a lot of writing that is essentially free for you to do at home. Like it's free for you to explore your ideas. You know, if you are saying, I want someone to pay me as a writer and you're not writing every day, I, I mean like, how are you, I don't know, I don't know how you're, getting, how you're getting better or how you're honing your ideas or how you're really working on the thing that you want to be your mainstay. And, you know, like for your photography example, it's like, oh, okay, so no one's hiring you right now to make photos. Are you still making photos anyway? Like, is this something that you really want to be doing? Um, I don't know. I, I think that there is also something about, maybe not in the exact professional context where you, where you want work, but like practicing like the sorts of things that, you would like to be paid for. And I don't, I'm not saying everyone should go write for the Internet for free or, you know, <laughs> or publish, publish your photos for free or whatever, whatever the equivalent may be, but I, I do think that there's something about doing, doing the work. Um, there's a great uh, Dear Sugar column about this that's like, you know, if you are feeling frustrated that you don't have the opportunities you want, um, like, have you really put in the work, both publicly and behind the scenes on your own? And if you can't honestly say yes, then that's the place you should start, not, you know, oh, my God, why aren't opportunities coming to me? I so agree. And, and what I hear in there, too, is it's, it's like joy. Like, it's like, we, like the whole reason that one would want to, like, start to do their own thing is hopefully to, like, pursue more things that actually bring you joy. And, and it's, it's funny when we start to realize that, like, we can be such a killjoy in our own right. experience because we're doing, like, what we should be doing. But, like, I think your, your newsletter is such a perfect example of this. So, like, you didn't start your newsletter because, you, like, someone's paying you to do it. Like, you – and Anne has this, like, amazing weekly compilation that she puts out. Every Friday you should sign up for it. It's, it's, it's hilarious and, and smart. And, uh, but you, you did it because you wanted to do it. And, and like, people started to – 
get interested because they can sense that feeling of you actually wanting to do this. And I think that's what really draws people to us is when we, like, are genuinely interested in something. And, like, I was going to yoga class because yoga was the place that I, I just felt most alive. And before I knew it, I was teaching yoga. Before I knew it, I was teaching yoga more than I was doing photography. And now I don't do photography for money anymore because this is, like, really my passion. So it's, it's funny how we can, like, if we like, if you follow that, like, if, if whatever, like, work, if, whatever's paying you money, try to work with that in the beginning. I totally believe that. But keep paying attention to, like, what is actually bringing you joy and make sure that you're, like, investing in that in some way because I think ultimately that's going to take you where you want to go. Yeah, and my, my newsletter is actually incredibly relevant to this conversation because – you know, I, I think that if I had started it to, to sort of say, okay, how can I gain maximum exposure for my work? And, uh, and, you know, and how do I get a lot of people to pay attention to what I've written and what I'm reading? I, it would not have been successful. I mean, my motivations were, one, to give my week a sense of rhythm. You know, I mean, I was sort of like, okay, how is Friday different from Saturday if you're self-employed? Well, the answer for me now is Friday I compile what I've produced that week and what I've consumed that week, which is the sort of like links that I'm reading, and I put it all in one place. And, um, and, and on one, it, it serves kind of two purposes. One, um, that idea of like helping me find some schedule and some grounding. But also, too, like uh, this idea, I really believe in, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Like if you're only consuming like, you know, social media garbage. It's not all garbage. Like obviously I find great things through social media. But if I'm just in the sort of like scrolling, clicking death spiral, or if I'm like, you know, watching reruns of shitty TV shows that I don't really care about, um, as opposed to like actively engaging with like new things that are happening in the world and, and like, you know, like pausing to think about great writing. And um, it's, it's sort of like, okay, well, if I have to say publicly what I've consumed, maybe I'll consume a little better. And I 100% have. Um, so it was, I don't know. And then there's, there's also a selfish motivation of wanting my name to appear in my editor's inboxes. I didn't sign them up. Um, they, they signed up themselves eventually. But, uh, you know, in part because editors are always, are, are too busy to fully monitor social media and because they are interested in what other people are reading. And so I think that it's had a ton of professional benefits for me um, most of which I'm not even able to track because it's hard to say how you get what, what opportunities. But the genesis of that was really something for myself. And the time it takes is like no more than two hours on a Friday morning, but it's a nice, it's a nice sort of you know, way, to give, way to give rhythm to my time. And, um, and, and also just this idea of like making something <laughs> as opposed to you know, feeling frustrated or getting upset. It's like, I guess I could email, I could have made a rule where I email an editor individually every Friday morning, and maybe that would have yielded a lot of work as well. But it doesn't have quite the same thing, the same, like, appeal as making or putting together something new every day. Like, my, my way out of most slumps is, is making something or, like, doing something. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's so you, your newsletter is so you, it's so funny, it's like your voice, and it's, it's, it's like a great example of self-care, actually, I think that like when we can do something that's good for us, it's actually attractive to everybody and good for everybody, it's like, it can be a little bit selfish now and again, can, can be like a huge push forward in, in so many ways. Um, and yeah. making something, it's really important, I mean, in, in Ayurveda we talk about prana, which is this like, life force energy, it's our breath, it's like the, you know, the energy that runs through our body and that like prana is actually creative, like it wants to create things and that like we believe we're only consumers in this culture and then to actually like create something that's like totally subversive, like okay, wait, I'm all of a sudden like I'm in the driver's seat and like I'm feeling powerful, even just like being able to like, for me it's like writing for like 15 minutes or something just for myself and and as I found, too, is, like, I've gotten increasingly more public in, like, how I write and how I share things, like, which I love to do. It's, like, I need those little private things for myself, which are just the things, like, I'm never going to share with anyone else, like, things that, that, that are, like, just selfish self-care. Yeah, to help for keep sure. Keep me going to, like, be able to give, too. Right. And, and it's funny because, you know, people will ask about that a lot, and they'll say, oh, isn't it so much work to do that every week? Isn't it hard to keep up with? And it's, like, no, like, I, I mean, I can honestly tell you that I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have done it every single, I think I've taken two weeks off, maybe three in the two, more than two years I've been doing it. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't 
have been that consistent if it were truly a burden. And, um, and it's interesting. I've seen someone ask me this week, um, like, oh, are you annoyed that all these people have started newsletters that ape the format of yours? <laughs> and I don't know that, like, I, I mean, I don't keep enough tabs. I don't, I mean, I get, I definitely get lots of newsletters, but I don't, you know, I don't get so many that I can make broad comments about the state of the newsletter economy. But, but, um, but you know, I think that, like, there is something that's like, okay, so I made a thing that served my particular needs, and if other people find it useful, great. But I think it can be really hard to try to reverse engineer that and say, like, what can I make that everyone will love is a, is a tough question to, to answer. And it's, I guess it's why I don't work in, like, product design or advertising. But, <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's a much harder question to answer than, like, what makes me really happy and how will I do my best. And it, to, it seems like a much less relevant question to answer when what makes you really happy and is what actually people like. Um, Seth Godin, he's this great like thinker about business and marketing, and he talks about how like the, the gift that we give, like people can tell whether it's a gift or not. Like it's like you, like whatever it is you give, if you give it from like a really genuine place, like people will know. And if you're giving it, mm. giving someone something you don't really want, they kind of know that on some level too. And so it's like I think what people really like is your inspiration and like, like we've talked about this a lot just personally that like what, what we're really doing here is we're sharing some aspect of, of how we think about things and how we've developed as people and through what's happening, you know, around us and the, the news in your case and like self care in my case. But I think that what right. people really always connect to is the person behind everything. And I think of almost like every work of this like really inspired me and it's more about like the journey of the person behind it and like the, their how they've developed as a thinker and is a worker, and I, I love it because I, th- I think it really does subvert capitalism. But it's not just about the capital; it's not just about the product. It's about it's about the connection that's behind it all, too. So I, when I well, read your newsletter, yeah. I feel connected to you in your, you know, the way that you see the world. It's like inspiring to me. Well, there, you know, I also think too that I don't want to give an impression that just because you make something for, you know, just because you're fulfilling some kind of like need that you have personally means that other people will necessarily latch onto it and love it. And I think that, you know, one way to feel secure in the stuff that you do as a self-employed person, you know, obviously we all say things, I'll say yes to things because we're like, that will pay my rent. I mean, I, I, I can list you tons of examples of things that I've done in the past several years where I'm like, there's no way I would have done that if we did not live in a capitalist society where I had to really worry about, about money. Um, but I think that, like, it's also true that if you're doing something for yourself, like, if my newsletter had only ended up with 300 subscribers and they were only really my friends and people I'd work with directly and they, like, all loved it and were really engaged with it and I was still getting the, the, the fulfillment that I get from it now, I would still be doing it, you know? I mean, I think that, you know, also, like, there's a little bit of a would you, would you do this anyway is, is, is a good question. Um, and, and, and for me, you know, and this I think comes from being an editor, is like I, there is something about public accountability where I'm like, okay, maybe it's not public public. Maybe only a couple hundred people subscribe. But if I say that I'm going to do something every week and I, and I put it into the world as opposed to if I say I'm going to do it every week and I put it in my journal, um, I just I work better with that as an accountability system, um, which luckily dovetails with like, promoting the work that I do. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not like unaware of that. Um, but, but I do think it's important that I would do it anyway. Yeah, I think so too. Again, like joy factor in there. Um, yeah, for sure. That's great. Okay, so I have one more question for you. And mm-hmm. it's, um, I want to get into like the habit of asking one question to every guest. We'll see how this goes. This might be a long time actually do it. But <laughs> I'm just curious, what is, what is self-care mean to you? And I, I say this because people ask me all the time, like, so let's talk about what self-care really means. So I think it's a phrase that's tossed around a lot. And I have my own definition of something that's always evolving. So I'm curious, like, I, I sense it's not just one level for you, but it, what, what comes to mind like, when you hear that? I mean, I guess I sort of think, okay, I guess I, I, I to translate it, I, I put it in terms of how am I a friend to other people? Okay, well, I, when I see you, Gracie, I ask how you're doing. I want you to be, like, healthy and happy. And if I see you working yourself into the ground or in a relationship that seems like it's making you really unhappy or if I see you, like, you know, 
stopping yourself before you do something that's about to be great and incredible because you're, you seem to be scared of it. I would not hesitate to be like, you know, in the gentlest way possible to sort of to tell you that, to say, okay, like, you know, as your friend, I've noticed this, or, you know, um, and even if I don't say anything, just the, the act of, like, that kind of compassionate, like, wanting your friends to be happy and healthy and successful and fulfilled, um, I, I feel like self-care is really kind of turning that inward. And it's, it's not, you know, like, doing your nails and taking a nap when you need a nap and getting eight hours a night sleep a night or whatever. I mean, it's eating well. I guess those things are all a part of it, but I think fundamentally it's just like, like treating yourself the way you treat the people you love the most. That's beautiful. Oh. <laughs> it's like an easy analogy for women. Like I think that's a good analogy for women, too, who are so used to being outwardly caring. Yeah, we're such good friends to each other for the most part. Exactly. You know, we really do. We care about other people, and we, like, we can completely give that advice to anyone else. And, um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a really lovely idea of like, being able to like, like, turn that back inward. It's actually very Buddhist. It's like in, in the Buddhist philosophy, you always like, wish yourself like, happiness and health, and then you wish it to other people that you know, and then you wish it out to like, the world, like humanity at large. And it's always like those three levels that you're working on. And it's, right. it's true, like, if you wouldn't wish that, like, this, these conditions on someone that you cared about that you're willing to put up with, like, maybe it's time to reevaluate that. And like, yeah, and, and I, it's funny. For me, I think sometimes it works the way of I tell it to friends and then I tell it to myself, and then that gives me the sort of ability to say it to the world or whatever. But, yeah, but, you know, the order is maybe mixed up, but I completely, I completely feel that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I, well, I do it too if I'm like, you know, looking at my habits or if I want to change a habit. Like I think of a friend of mine who like embodies like that good habit. And I mm-hmm. sometimes I just like when, like when I get in the, like when I get exhausted or overworked or something like that. Like it's just it's really hard for me to like think of how to take care of myself. So I actually like pretend I'm somebody else. I'm like, what would Anne do in this situation? I'm like, oh, Anne would like watch a movie right now. Like. <laughs> Make yeah. yourself something delicious to eat. Like, okay, I can do that. Like, it's it's like yeah. to put, take ourselves a little bit out of like the personal. Sometimes it can be really helpful to go back in. So, thank yeah. you for saying that. Yeah, but helpful. I think also it's one reason why it's very important. I mean, like, I, I feel like you and I have a great relationship where we talk about professional concerns, like as friends. And I think it can be very important for that reason to talk about people who care about you as a person. Uh, about your professional struggles, especially when you're, you're self-employed because, you know, you, it's really hard sometimes to see for yourself that you're not doing what you would advise a friend to do or that, you know, you're not living up to something that you hope for um, yourself and others. It's like you kind of need an external perspective sometimes. And when you have no coworkers, obviously, um, you know, no one is bound to tell you. I mean, I don't know, traditional coworker feedback is not that useful in a self-care context. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. Um, so I, I don't know, I think that, like, in terms of um, all issues related to, like, living a good life while also having a job that you love that you're really invested in, friends are, like, such a great accountability system. They they are, and it's, it's something we can always think about. So I was actually just talking to a friend of mine this morning, and she's starting her own private therapy practice right now. And she said she's trying to talk to, like, some of her other friends about it, and she says they're not that interested. They, but she brings up, like, boy drama. Like, they're so interested, and they want to talk about that. And, like, I think it's something as women that we could do better at, too, is just, like, asking each other about business and, like, supporting each other in that way that, like, we, that, that, that can become, like, a go-to subject matter as much as, like, who are dating, even though both are... Oh, totally. Totally. And I, I, you know, it's really those social scripts about when you're relaxing with a female friend, what are you talking about? Um, it's really interesting how, like, you know, it's, it's not... Talking about work and, and not, like, the job that you wake up and do every day, sometimes it's that, but, like, you know, your deeper, bigger career stuff... Um, that's not really modeled in, in, like, pop culture or, like, very well in society at large as, like, an appropriate conversation topic for women who are relaxing together, you know? Like, it's like there's no – I'm trying to think of, like, a single movie where, like, women are really getting in deep about their professional, like, goals and problems when they're in, in their kind of casual hangout time together. It's tough. Yeah, just working girl just, like, fresh across my mind. I'm like, I think that was pretty much, like, focused around, like, Harrison Ford in some way, right? 
Um, it was. It was just Joan, Joan Cusack telling Melanie Griffith, just like, what are you doing? No. Like, she, Joan Cusack <laughs> tries to shut down Melanie Griffith's, like, whole, like, hopes in that movie. Um, so, I don't know. Like, maybe. I guess they do talk about work, but, like, not as much as Melanie wants to. I think that's the lesson. No, not as much as Melanie probably needs to in that. Like, we need places. Exactly. It's, it's something that's, I think it's been the hardest thing for me about developing my freelance work, too, is just to, like, feel, like, like, totally, like, I can, like, bounce ideas off of people and, like, not to, like, and it's actually made me seek out other women who are doing their own thing. So I think it's, like, right. if you're out there and you're feeling like you're doing your own thing and it's exciting you feel kind of alone in that, then, like, that's, like, the invitation to reach out and, like, there are other people out there in the world who are doing this and hopefully this, this uh, message can inspire you to do that, too. Because I do think it's, like, we need to hold each other accountable for it as well. Oh, Totally. And, and to, to get creative ideas from each other. I mean, you know, it's like, like you were saying, I think about a friend who's good at that. I mean, that's true in a self-care context. But it's also very true for me or has been in, like, a professional context, too. It's like, oh, someone's doing that? Like, that would really help me. I mean, you mentioned your whole thing with the tabs. I'm like, I'm so doing that. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like that, that, those little things can be really very helpful. That's great. And then all of a sudden we just collaborate and do a yoga retreat together, too. I convinced Yanda to go to Guatemala for, me for the, a yoga and writing retreat, as I mentioned earlier. And it was, it was so amazing. It was so wonderful. No regrets. No regrets. Yeah. <laughs> regrets. Guatemala forever. <laughs> um, I love you, Anne. You're amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I hope everyone who's listened has learned something. I definitely learned a few things. Oh, thank you for having me. This is great. This is I, even though I still haven't showered, you'll be shocked to learn that didn't happen while we were talking. I feel like a little less gross. <laughs> I'm like now I will go shower. Now I will make lunch. And you've inspired me in a very immediate way today. <laughs> Inspiration. That's great. Okay, our work is done then. All right. Okay. Thanks everyone, and have a good rest of your day. Take care of yourselves. Bye bye. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons, I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also, write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place. Mm-hmm.